So here we are, uh, week seven. Seven. Five more weeks for you, sir. Counting today, yes. So, uh, faithful, fruitful, effective lives according to Paul. We are moving fast. We're not hesitating. We're not going real, real deep into this. Um, it's more of a study designed to get you to study. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, I'm giving you this much of a lot because there is a tremendous amount in Timothy and Titus. We're going to be coming close to finishing off uh Timothy next week, uh, week eight, we will finish Timothy, and we're going to be in Titus for a few weeks. We're talking about uh, dealing with oppression in the church today, um, announcements, Steve has a whole bunch of them, and he's bitten at the bit, and he's going to make me late, so we're going to have six more weeks now, because i got to put announcements in here. So we got some updates on announcements from Steve-O. You don't have an ounce. You want the updates. Okay. So, Mass into um, Canada. Starting with? Mass into Canada. Mass is in Canada. Last we heard, they should be back this evening. Today. So, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure. That's what I've heard. But I'm not going to go on gospel with that one. Just I understand that things come up; they may be postponed, and that's all right too. Just hopefully they can come home soon. Um, haven't heard much on Bobby's arrangements. What's happening there? Visitation in Katy, Texas tomorrow. Okay. Ruth Ann will be flying back Tuesday the next day. Okay, so tomorrow they're having visitation in Katy, Texas. And then Ruth Ann will be flying back on Tuesday. Shirley called me this morning. Okay. And they, they're on their way to Lake Clarendon. They're on their way. They're on their way back. Okay. She said the wind had blown and the cold wind. <laughs> yeah. That wind blowing out there. Brutal sometimes. Very brutal. All right. So... Shirley and them are on their way back, uh, which is nice. Uh, the big, big, big announcement we've got, uh, potluck today, please stick around. Uh, plenty of food, soups and salads, and I don't know what all else is out there, but uh, uh, the end of this month, Sunday, the 27th, so that'd be next week. Next week is home Bible study. Uh, it will be at the Mastin's place. Same time as church services on Sunday night, so 6-ish at the Mastin's. We're going to have home Bible study at their place. We will not be meeting here. So that will be next week. What is the food format? Is there a food format? I don't know. If I see them tonight, if they come for their dog, then I will find out. If not, then... Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll get something out there and let people know what's happening through the one call or, or what have you. Maybe we'll divide it up. Your last name starts with an M. You bring chocolate desserts or something. 
Something we got, he says. All right. We'll figure it out uh, and let you all know. This is, again, men's business meeting right after uh, potluck this afternoon. Uh, ladies have something? Awesome. You're the only lady here right now. Well, I'm not the only lady. I got several ladies in the audience that has the book. <laughs> so they have a new book, uh, The Prayerful Woman. Um, so they'll be working on something like that or something different. I don't know. So. Grammy. We got a call from Beth. Uh, she had that surgery on her foot to take care of the Achilles tendon and the heel. And she had called and said she had gone into the doctor. Her foot was hurting worse than it was before she had the surgery. So they went in, they did an MRI, CAT scan. I don't know what they do on feet. It's a foot scan. CAT scans are on cats, dog scans are on dogs. MR scans are on MERS. I don't know what a MER is, but there it is. So I had a scan on it, and one of the tendons on her outside ankle, I want to say, I don't know, outside, inside ankle, is either ruptured, torn, or, or broke. Split, they don't know. Um, they can see it's flat. She was scheduled for surgery coming up this week to go in and repair that. This is something that the surgeon apparently knew about, but figured that she was going to be off of her foot for eight weeks, hoping that it healed on its own, and it never did. It got worse. So she is going back in to have another evasive surgery. Hopefully she's out by planning season. So she can get crops in the ground, um, but keep her in her prayers. Yeah, uh, big big issues there. Mom and dad closed on their house last week Thursday. Uh, they are in, and they now own their own home again. So that was good. Uh, no, um, we. Uh, we tried to get everything into them, and they just kept going, nope, that's not enough, nope, that's not enough. And we, yeah, I, it, the day of closing, and then they finally came back and said, well, when we get it, then we're going to have to rewrite the paperwork anyway. And he went, no, we're not. <laughs> the third time you push this out, we're not using you again kind of deal, and get us closed. We'll do what it needs to take today. We're closing, period. So they closed last Thursday. So I was not good enough for the national whoever it is, funding company. But, okay, there it is. Uh, Amber will be back here shortly. She just went to drop off uh, some equipment that we used last night. Thank you. I knew I was missing. Defibrillator implanted late this, this coming week, this week. Okay, so he's having a defibrillator put in this week. Thursday. Thursday. So Denise is driving down to to be with him. Okay. Oh, Wednesday. Drive safe. Yes, drive safe. Drive safe. Okay, so defibrillator this week. Denise is leaving to go down. Matching it, huh? In the goats. Yeah. In the goats. There we go. There we go. In the goats. Awesome. 
anything else that I'm missing can think of? Miriam's having a birthday. Had a birthday. Today. Miriam's birthday today. I'd sing her happy birthday. She was here. We have another one coming up next week, right? Another birthday next week somewhere? <laughs> oh, Miss Billy's back here going, oh, I don't know anybody having a birthday next week. <laughs> awesome. All right. We are so happy to have you. It is a blessing. Thank you. Um, well, Steve made me push my lesson out till six more weeks, so maybe I'll have him offer up a prayer to maybe I can get this done today. Uh, dear Father in heaven, we thank you once again for your watchful care over us, uh, the safe journeys you've uh, given us on, on these uh, snowy roads. Thank you for that moisture. Thank you for this beautiful day and all those that you have allowed to gather here, and we just ask that we uh, may do everything that be uh, edifying to all of us and uh, pleasing to you. Uh, very mindful of uh, the Hale family now, that you would be with them. So this doesn't work, right? Uh, be mind with the Hale family now as they uh, are, are struggling and traveling and uh, grieving. And just ask you to be with them, please. Also ask uh, you to be with uh, uh, Denise's dad. It's his upcoming procedure on Thursday. And also with uh, Bev Lamers. Has, uh, she'll have her, her surgery also coming up uh, on, her, on her ankle. Ask your father, you also know, be at the end when you look into your great power of the word. It's a great power of the name of your brain. Amen. Test. No, oh, we're on. A little hard to hear. Everybody hear it okay? Leonard, can you hear it okay? Just a little bit? All right. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll put it up a little closer to the throat. Can't hear standing right in front of you sometimes. All right, I understand. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, we'll see what I can do about next week for you, sir, uh, and get those going. All right. Uh, as I was starting to try and get us through, Timothy, before announcements came up, um, we're going to be talking about dealing with oppression in the church. Uh, in Paul's instruction to Timothy, on how to do this. Um, this week we're going to be in 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 8. We're going to go through uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 9. I'm not going to read them today. Hopefully, if you've had the chance this week to read it, if not, please go back and reread it. Uh, read it now uh, as we're going through class. Either way, I'm all right with it. Uh, I'm going to try and work in sections uh, as we go through. Uh, but this week, uh, we're going to talk about controversy. How do we handle it correctly? Paul's instructing Timothy this week to respond to controversy within the church through a specific manner, with sound teaching, correcting opponents with gentleness. Okay. How do we typically see correction happen within the church? Get the Bible out and thump them over the head with it, right? Mm-hmm. We've all seen it. Um, you know, it's, it's 
That's not in the Bible. That's not what it says. Give me book, chapter, verse. Timothy is told that's not the way to do it. You stick with sound teaching. You state the facts. You don't embellish. You're stating the facts. And you do it gently. You do it with love. Last week, we talked about fanning the flames and how that meant it's just a gentle blowing. It's not going in there with huge gusts to make the, the flame huge and spontaneous right away, right? It's gently blowing on the coals to get the fire going. And that's what Paul continues to do here. He continues to show Timothy it's only through gentleness that it's going to work. So far, Paul's been telling Timothy, follow my example, follow my example. What is Paul's example that he keeps telling him to follow? Jesus. Kind of. Follow my example of teaching. Follow my example of... What's Paul doing? Dying. Suffering. <laughs> Timothy, follow me through this suffering. How could Paul possibly think this is a good thing? Follow me as I'm suffering. How did we explain that? How do we know that this is good? How do we explain suffering in a good way? How can suffering possibly be? Well, it's for the glory of God, so I'm going to suffer. Great selling line, right? You know, I bet if we go out on those streets right now, come in here with us, suffer, suffer for Christ. It'll be great. I don't see us getting a whole lot of people coming through those doors. So how can suffering be good? You have to rely on God. We understand that as, as Christians, you know. Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it contrary to nothing happening to you, it's not good. But if you look at the other side where death is the alternative... I'll take suffering. Yeah. Give me some suffering. Give me some suffering. You got two choices. You can die or you can suffer. That's right. All right. I'll suffer for a while. I'll suffer for a bit. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's how we look at, how do we view suffering? We look at suffering in a negative connotation, don't we? Pain, sorrow. <clears throat> what about that child on Christmas morning? Can't open them yet. Your sister isn't open up. Wait for her to get out of her room. Then you can open that present. Is that suffering to a child, five-year-old? Absolutely. I mean, that's like six years right there of my life that you made me wait. But the reward is worth it. And that's what we've got to look at. And that's how Paul is trying to get to Timothy. This is encouragement. Yes, I'm suffering. Join me. Join me in the longing for the reward. That's what we're looking at. How do I get that reward? I'm going to have to suffer. What is our reward? Yes? <laughs> Salvation. Absolutely. 
So we don't go out there on the street and go, suffer, 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 suffer. We go out there and give them what? Hope. We show them grace. We show them Jesus. We show them salvation. Paul's talking about that. And that's what he's been teaching Timothy. He's showing him, lead by my example of teaching, my suffering. And Paul's going to continue to talk about that. But now he's really going to start encouraging Timothy here in the first section. And our first section is to remember Jesus Christ and the promises of the gospel. And that's going to come from 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. All right. Paul tells us over and over and over, I was called for a life of suffering and weakness. We find that in several places in the scriptures. In Acts 9, verse 16, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Excuse me, yeah, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And because of this, Christ suffers for Christ, he says, to advance the gospel. He tells us that in Philippians 1, 12 through 13. I suffer for Christ so that I can advance the gospel. He continues to say that he's proclaiming the gospel of a suffering Savior in Galatians 6, 17. And he tells us, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Again in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, and again in 2 Timothy 2, verse 9, he explains his suffering. What is motivating Paul to endure? He says, I've got the marks of Jesus on my body. What are we talking about? Whips, scars. Yeah, I have suffered for Christ. But what motivates Paul to endure such suffering? Hint, hint, 2 Timothy 2.9. Maybe starting in about 8. What is Paul's motivation? Long-term hope. Where are we? Something about being chained. I know that's coming up. Long Chain me up, but you can't chain up the word. No, it's going to spread. Absolutely. Paul's hope. First Timothy, we're almost there. Second Timothy, there we are. Verse 8. Soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Is that the right place? That's Titus. I'm like, this does not make sense. Why would I start in the middle of a sentence? Timothy, there we go, 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from Jesus. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. So in verse 8, what is Paul's motivation? The gospel. Jesus is raised from the dead. Absolutely. 
Jesus said, I will come for you. If it is not so, remember that, right? Yeah, I wouldn't have told you. He rose from the dead. He told us He was going to rise from the dead. This is my hope. This is my gospel, He says here. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Amazing. He's coming back for me. Here's a motivation not just for Paul, but for all of us. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. You can chain the Word, or you can chain me, but you can't chain the Word. How does God's Word spread if you're in prison and you're suffering? How does that work? Romans took you and, and would throw you in prison if you're talking about Jesus Christ. We're told this thing's spreading like wildfire. Why is God's Word not chained? We have a lot of examples in the Bible talking about this Roman centurion, that Roman guard. You know, hey, how come you didn't leave? You could have just walked out that door. Well, well let me tell you about the hope I have. Right? What kind of example do we have for us today through this Scripture? I am being chained like a criminal, but God's Word is not chained. What kind of example can we take from this? Can we use it today? Can we see it today? What kind of example do we have here? It's not the messenger, it's the message. Put me in jail, the message is still the same. Right? It's not just that Paul is in jail. The word is being spread. How is Paul spreading the word? He's in jail. What would we typically do in this situation? Okay, Curtis, you're driving down the road. Police officer pulls him over. Sir, come with us. Throws him in cuffs. Throws him in the back. What am I being charged of? You're transporting drugs. Throws him in jail. What are we going to do? Who are we going to talk to? What are we going to say about that? We know who Curtis is. We know he's probably not transporting drugs. What kind of word are we going to send out? We're going to go we're going to start a GoFundMe page. We are going to get the word out there that this is an improper imprisonment. He is not a criminal. He was not transporting drugs, right? We're going to tell the truth. We are sticking to the facts. Just as we had talked about earlier, 
sound doctrine and gentleness. But we're going to go at it with a mighty big hammer, aren't we? We're starting a GoFundMe page. We're starting to talk to lawyers. We're starting to get him out of there. But the word is now spreading, isn't it? We're going to talk to newspapers. We're going to... Do you think that the first century Christians were any different than we are? They just took Paul and imprisoned him for what? Burning down Rome. <laughs> yeah. For transporting drugs. <laughs> no. He is spreading the word about Jesus Christ. It's spreading. It's spreading like wildfire. God's word cannot be chained. There will be someone there to send that message. It's not who sends it. It's what's being sent. And as long as it's done, sound, correct, with the facts, it will spread. Move on to, here is another trustworthy saying. There's a lot of these here. 2 Timothy 2, 11-13. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Is there any encouragement at all in that word? Encouragement? It's all encouraging, isn't it? How does that explain to us the importance of suffering? Absolutely. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, it shows us and reassures us, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Of Christ's faithfulness to who? To me. This is all me. If I do this, it doesn't matter. He is still remaining faithful. Bottom line. Who's doing the changing here? Us in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't change even if we are faithless. Christ remains the same. What an encouragement. We are having to suffer. Okay, great. But in the end, it doesn't matter. He will say, these are mine. We will also reign with Him. we got to endure them. Faithful ministers rightly handle the Word. Dealing with false teachers. We're getting back into that again. How do we how does he move so fluidly from remember the promise of Christ's gospel back into all right? False teachers. <clears throat> Paul is amazing. The writings of this man are incredible. And there's no periods or commas. So just remember this guy could write a sentence. He didn't believe in punctuation. Keep reminding God's people of these things. That's how he does it. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember the gospel. Remember the promises. And keep 
spreading the word. Hymenaeus and Philetus are called out specifically as ones who don't handle the word correctly, as ones who are not spreading the word correctly. So how are we supposed to handle the word according to Timothy uh, 14 through 21? How are we supposed to handle the word correctly? Don't get picky about words. We all know those people, don't we? Got picky on this word. A Greek word. Is it Greek? Is it Hebrew? Is he really saying this or is he really saying that? Let me ask you, when you first believed, when you were first converted, did it matter the particular word that was being used? No. We took it at face value. Why? Even superficially, you know what God who He is, what He is, what He wants you to do. Who He is, what He is, what He wants you to do. That's what we got out of this word, right? Why are we quarreling over words? Right? When we were first converted, when we first started going, you know what? There might be something to this whole Jesus Christ thing. That dude that walked on water, you gotta be kidding me. We took it at face value, didn't we? Don't touch the stove, it's hot. Does a child believe you when you first tell them that? When you very first, they're probably going to be like, okay, I'm not going to touch that. They start thinking. They've believed you at first because they wanted to. Because there might be some kind of truth that mom and dad are spouting at me, right? Santa Claus is coming. Get to bed. As we get older, as we start to see more, we start to study deeper. That's where we could start to go into the meaning, to the different things that maybe these words have. But what is he saying specifically about words and what we're not supposed to do? Quarrel over words. Don't quarrel over this word. Yeah, the Greek word for that is, good job, you're doing what you need to do. Uh, (laughs) What is the Greek word for quarreling? I don't know what the Greek word for quarreling is. Uh, Don't quarrel over words. Timothy is told by Paul to avoid to depart from the dishonorable teachings and practices. Do not get involved in the quarreling of words. It is no value. It ruins those who listen. So what does it do? If you start to listen to these quarrelings, to these opposition to that word, this word means this, this word means that, what happens? You get bogged down. You get sucked in. 
you might start believing one side or the other. It's not sound doctrine. They are doing this to be quarrelsome. Right? Don't do it. At the end of that section, 21 through, or 14 through 21, Paul starts to use some analogy. He uses some analogy about different vessels. What are those vessels that he's talking about? Verse 20 is where it starts. We got vessels made of us. Hadn't got down that far, he said. Still reading. My bad. Jumping to verse 20. <laughs> Gold and silver, wood and clay. Right? He says in a, in a house, in a large house, there's both of these. There is gold and silver. There is wood and clay. Some are for special purposes. Some are for common purposes. What are the special purposed vessels made of? Gold and silver. What are the common vessels made of? Wood and clay. Some are honorable. Some are not. Why? Absolutely. Just because it sparkles doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's right. But if we stay with the basics, if we are teaching fact, our foundation is a foundation made of silver? Is a foundation made of gold? Or is it made of wood? Something that's going to stand up. <clears throat> Those who cleanse themselves with the later, meaning the wood, the clay, <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. It doesn't matter, honestly, how you cleanse yourself. You're going to be clean, right? But are you cleaning yourself with the gold and silver to make a statement? I'm rich. I'm above you. This is what I use. Or are we humbling ourselves to use that wood, that clay, the common, ordinary things? God didn't use big, extravagant items. We talked about that Wednesday. Very rarely do we hear of God's miraculous works except for those few large times. Here he strikes down that dude. Here we lit a fire. But there's relatively not a lot of God using the grand, grandiose, to get his point across. He uses everyday things. Jesus, when he taught, used birds in a field. A well when he went up to it. Not these huge golden temples. Look at this 
This is yours. No. Humble. And if we use the everyday common things, we have a good foundation. We know where we're at. We're humble. We can accept who we are. If you're trying to use the others, you're not really accepting what we can do, are you? We want to use what God has given to us. We want to use it and be prepared for any good work. What kind of examples does this set for a fruitful, effective life? We're looking at this and how we can use it for our lives today. This was written to Timothy a long time ago. But how can we use this particular verse? In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but of also wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common purpose. Those who cleanse themselves from the later will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the Master, and prepared to do any good work. How can we use that in our lives today? Make ignoble purposes with our lives. Maybe it's chasing self or chasing power or uh, sinful type things. And that's ignoble within this house. But within God's house, if you're willing to change, you, become, you can become that special vessel that Jesus and God can use for uh, grand things, wonderful things, special things, of which loving your neighbor being selfless and uh, nothing more special than serving God. Absolutely. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. We get caught up in the type of action we're doing. Inaction by its very nature is action. You are choosing to do something. You chose not to take action. Or you can choose to take action. Now, what kind of action are we going to do? An effective life is one where we're called to take action. But it's not, as, as Brother Curtis says, what are we chasing? What is our action going after? The grand? The more of self? The I want bigger and better? Give me the BBD, the bigger, better deal? Or is it, how can I help you today? Janet, what can I help you with? And lowering ourselves to do action, to be prepared. Prepared is action. To do what it takes. Right? What a great way to do that. Paul takes us out of that section and into faithful ministers pursuing righteousness, avoiding quarrels, 
Paul gives Timothy instructions about being a servant in verse 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Don't be quarrelsome. We see this oftentimes and we say, well, that's one of those qualifications for elders and deacons. Somebody run over to Titus 3, verse 2 for me. Titus 3, verse 2. We've got this quarrelsome attribute that elders and deacons, our overseers, are not supposed to have. But what does Titus 3, 2 tell us? Who is he talking to at that point? To slander no one, to be peaceful and considerate, and to always be gentle towards everyone. Who are we talking about? Our overseers? Everybody. This is not a qualification for just your overseers, not just your elders, not just your deacons. This is a qualification for a Christian. Don't be quarrelsome. We see this over and over in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. We see it in Titus. We see that false teachers are linked with church quarrels and controversies. We can get that in 1 Timothy 6, verse 4. We can get it in 2 Timothy 2.14. We get it in 2 Timothy 2.23. We get it in 2 Timothy 3.9. Don't be quarrelsome. False teachers bring about quarrel. What are they quarreling about? Does it matter? <laughs> Foolish and stupid arguments. They're just trying to palp themselves up. I'm bigger. I'm better. I'm going to argue with you about it till you see my way. Again, that's not gentle. We're told gentleness. We're not beating them over the head with the Bible. Absolutely. Be gentle. What effect does quarrels have on a church. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Big ones, doesn't it? We can't be a family if we've got contention among just two people. How many people does it take to have a quarrel? Two. Someone can try, but if you're not willing to take the bait, if you're not willing to go fishing and, and chomp at the bit and get involved in that quarrel, what happens to that quarrel? It goes away. Now that person might try to go and get somebody else, but we see this, don't we? False teachers will come to the front, and we're told this. Paul will tell us that, hey, let it go. Don't get involved with that. People will see these false teachings. They will know that these people are around. They can go away. Absolutely. How does he tell us to do that in 24 through 36? Be kind. Able to teach. Don't resent. How are we supposed to correct in verse 25? 
about the fourth word. Gently. Gently correct. Absolutely. With the hope that God, who is actually going to do the changing here? Is it me? God will grant them repentance, leading them. It's not me leading. I am just up here telling you what the facts are. Facts are nothing but the facts, ma'am. Right? God does the leading to the knowledge of truth. And we hear that several times by Paul in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, even in Titus 1.1. And that knowledge of truth, once we know the truth and we can see it, that helps us to avoid those quarrels, helps us to be gentle, helps us to love like Christ wanted. And Paul goes into chapter 3 there and goes, Nigh, here comes the end. Last days are near. What are we going to find in the last days, Paul goes on to say here in verse 3. Verse 2 of chapter 3, excuse me. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abuseful, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Do you see any of that happening today? Day one. Absolutely. So how nigh are the end of days? Paul was talking about it then, and it was happening. We see it in today's society, in our politics, in our government, in our dealings with people day in and day out. If he's saying, mark my words, terrible times in the last days, and here's how you're going to know them, where are we, folks? We're a lot closer now than they were then, huh? <laughs> it's coming. And they were ready. Are we? That's my question. Paul tells us, have nothing to do with these people. <laughs> go away. They will go on, and we will see it. He talks about Janus and Jambres. Who remembers Janus and Jambres? Remember them? All right, so these are the... the Pharaoh's prophets, when he's talking to Moses. Remember Moses and Aaron come in and Pharaoh throws their staff down on the ground. What does it do? Turns into a snake. Janus and Jambres throws their staff down on the ground. What does it do? Turns into a snake. See, we can do it too. All right. Pharaoh, here's some plagues. Janus and Jambres. All right. We can't do that. <laughs> Sound teaching. Gentleness. In the end, Jambres and, and, and Janice go, you know, uh, that God, much bigger than we are, Pharaoh. You should probably listen. Talked about that Wednesday with the Baal. Baal, burn our sacrifice. Baal, burn our sacrifice. Baal, burn our sacrifice. Talk louder. No. 
using gentleness, using truth, we will learn. This is an encouragement to Timothy too. How is this an encouragement to Timothy? When he says, Janice and Jambres, you remember them, they perform miracles, but not to be discouraged. In the end, they saw the work of who was greater. Continue to do the good work. Continue to move forward. Continue to be sound in teaching. To be gentle. To love. And in the end, what happens to those who are opposing you? Just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as their faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because... As in the case of those men's, their folly will be clear to everyone. We don't have to do anything, do we? If we're teaching sound doctrine, if we're gentle, if we're loving, and we do it correctly, what do we have to do to those who are trying to oppose create quarrels within the church. What do we have to do? We're gently talking to them. We're gently telling them the truth. In the end, don't have anything to do with them. They're not going to get far. Because other people are going to see what they're doing. And once other people start to see this, what happens? Go on. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Stop. Right? We don't have to do much. This is an encouragement to us as well. We don't have to do much. Honk. We have to teach correctly. We have to teach with love. We have to teach the truth. We have to teach with gentleness. And by doing that, everyone will see the truth. Those who don't, well, others will see them for who they are. Others will see it very clearly. They're not teaching the truth. We're not going to go that way. And for us, as a faithful, fruitful, effective life, there's got to be some encouragement for us there. Just stay the line. That's all we got to do. Next week, we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 2 Timothy 4 through 22. So it is 2 Timothy 3, 10 through the end of 2 Timothy. And we're going to talk about the minister's conduct, their commitment, their charge as it relates to the church. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate your time.